Whatever the qualification, the exam season looms large as students stream back to school this week. Since the NCEA was implemented six years ago, the country's senior school assessment system has been something of a national whipping boy. In some schools, well-documented unhappiness with the NCEA has led to the introduction of the University of Cambridge International Examinations. The system, with its end-of-year exams rather than NCEA's mix of in-school and external assessments, is a closer fit with the old system of school certificate and bursary. More recently, another alternative, the International Baccalaureate, has been embraced by a handful of the country's high-profile private schools, and there are signs the numbers may be growing. The introduction of competing systems has prompted concerns that the tradition of a national qualification, part of New Zealand's education system since 1869, has been undermined. Furthermore, critics say the move is more about marketing than education. A professor of education at Waikato University, Martin Thrupp, says problems with the NCEA have allowed the introduction of competing qualifications. But he says complaints with the NCEA are also being used as a convenient argument to introduce alternatives. What you've essentially got is you've got a, a highly positional education system where people don't just want to have the same education for their child as, as other people. That they, want a, they want a better education and some of our schools are, are there to serve that, that group of parents. Professor Thrupp says in the past, bursary and school certificate clearly showed which schools were top of the heap. The problem with the NCA was it was it started to cloud that sort of territory, and it's not not as clear. It's harder to have clear league tables of performance, and in many ways, perhaps it has started to work better. I think for lower socioeconomic students and students from minority backgrounds, and and perhaps the schools that would have traditionally benefited out of the original exam system won't won't look as good under NCA. Are schools not being honest at the moment? Well, I think it comes back to that thing about convenient arguments. I mean, I think there are some genuine concerns around NCEA and they and are going to take some time to work through, and, and there, is, there are some quite fundamental problems. But at the same time, I think that Cambridge and... Uh, the International Baccalaureate has has been seen as kind of the default position, and uh, whereas schools could have worked more with NCEA and given that uh, more of a go, I guess, before sort of moving off to the, to those other areas. While the NCEA had the monopoly on qualification criticism, earlier this year the tables were turned somewhat, with Cambridge suddenly under scrutiny. The principal of Auckland's Rangatoto College, David Hodge, in a widely circulated letter to parents, explained why he would not be offering Cambridge qualifications at the country's largest school. He says he was prompted to do so because of what he describes as a lot of misinformation about the NCEA. Sections of the media have ran, run an anti-NCEA uh, campaign. I, I don't know what the motivation for that is, um, it's it's been very disturbing. I think some of the statements by um, some of the people um, in education have have been um, dishonest, and and I wanted to address that balance. He says he's also concerned that some principals are undermining the NCEA. Look, we've had principals who've come out and and absolutely ridiculed NCEA. And yet their entire school, all of their students, are doing NCEA. Their teachers are teaching to NCEA. They're assessing NCEA. Now, I don't know how you can do that. I don't know how you can publicly undermine the value of what you, 
your students are doing, of what your teachers are doing, um, it escapes me. The headmaster of Auckland Grammar, the first school to use Cambridge assessments, has acknowledged some concern about how constant criticism of the NCEA could affect the students at his school not considered bright enough to do Cambridge. In an interview on Radio New Zealand National earlier this year, he said he hoped it wouldn't foster the impression that the NCEA was just for the also-rans. It sources for courses, you know, what suits certain, certain boys. Um, Cambridge, we would never, at level two and three, for example, in six and seven form, we, we would never put all our six and seven formers through Cambridge because, um, you know, it would be, that, that's, it's just not suited to all of them. Um, just like, you know, we wouldn't put everybody through NCA now because it's not suited to our top boys. But do you see in the message that the NCA is really the one for well, the look, dummies? Yeah, yeah look, I, I hope we don't. I mean, look, that's a difficult one for us because I could either stand on the sidelines and say nothing and just go on with which is what a lot of principals have done. Or I come out and say something, and I know, I know that people think, well, you know, 40% of your boys are doing, doing NCA, so what are they thinking? However, as I said, the way that we implement it at school, we are still being incredibly rigorous and demanding on them. And, and so we, we, we feel a little bit more comfortable about that. But it's not an easy one. It's not an easy one. The Minister of Education, Steve Mahari, weighed in against Cambridge on Radio New Zealand National's Morning Report. I would like to think in the future as people wouldn't see the need to take a, an exam like Cambridge, which as we all know is a private company in Britain that wrote an exam for the colonies because they didn't have their own exam system. So this is, a, this is an exam system for places like Botswana. There's nothing in it that has a relationship to, to New Zealand. Cambridge. It's here in this famous university town that the Cambridge International Examinations, or CIE, were developed for overseas countries back in the 1860s. Now, every year, one million students in more than 150 countries around the world are involved. CIE senior staff seem almost baffled at the criticism of their system. Anne Puntis, the chief executive, heads what she says is a non-teaching department of Cambridge University. She and the department's director of assessment services, Di Palmer, explain the relationship. We refer to ourselves as the department. I don't know what the technical term would be. No, a, a, a subsidiary. We're a syndicate of the universities. Yeah. The old-fashioned the old name for us. We're now called Cambridge Assessment. The, the, the body of the whole, the whole of our organisation is called Cambridge Assessment. It was called the University of Cambridge Local Examination Syndicate. And the syndicate part of that... Is, is refers to a, a group of the fellows of the university who are given the role of actually running an organisation that does what we do. We are all employees of the University of Cambridge, so mm. it's, a, it's a complex... The university as a whole is a complex organisation and the colleges within it have a complex relationship to the university as a whole. Ms Pantis is impatient with the suggestion that her organisation is trading on the name of a prestigious university to sell exams to schools trying to find a competitive edge. I don't know whether it's, um, it's necessary for me to, to say anything to that. I don't believe that is the case. I don't believe that schools have come to Cambridge because they feel they have to. Um, and you referred to trading on the name of Cambridge. We are not trading on the name. We are simply ourselves. Um, we are not forcing anyone to do anything that they don't want to. We are simply making an educational service available to people. And when they show interest in it, we establish a professional partnership 
to ensure that it it meets their requirements. She acknowledges that in the early days the exams were developed for countries that didn't have their own qualification system. That's, as I said, nearly um, uh, 150 years ago. The circumstances have changed a lot since that point. And we do still have relationships with governments, different uh, overseas governments, where we provide examination services for those governments. But much more uh, frequent and um, something which is actually a, a rapidly growing part of our business is the relationships we have with individual schools or with clusters of schools who take our qualifications. That's something which is growing rapidly around the world because I think people see education as both something which is nationally really vital but also internationally connected and that's for us as educationalists I think that's the exciting part of being in CIE. It's not only in New Zealand that questions are being raised about the place of alternative qualifications such as Cambridge and national school systems. Carol Whitty from the National Association of Head Teachers in the UK says the debate over qualifications is also a hot topic there. Catching Ms Whitty, who was travelling between conferences on that very topic, I met her at London's Paddington Station. Ms Whitty says in the UK, the CIE is generally regarded as a qualification for foreign students or British students who are at international schools, but she says it's now edging its way into some private schools in England. She says that's because those schools complain that the traditional national A-levels don't discriminate enough between students. However, some would say that this is because the standards in mainstream uh, state schools have risen to such an extent that there's far less of a, a gap between the achievement rates in state schools and independent schools, and it would appear that independent schools are trying to separate themselves out further, probably part of our, um, our class system um, which, probably, which has riven um, education and indeed other aspects of, of British life. Ms Whitty says the association is aware that CIE is being used by some schools in New Zealand. I think our advice would be to, to stick with your new system because it does look as if it's born out of um, extremely laudable aims, deep moral purpose and a real intention to reach all the, the needs of all of the youngsters. Peter Wilby is a British education commentator and former newspaper and magazine editor. He agrees that improved A-level results have sent private schools scrambling to find a point of difference. The problem we've had with A-levels in the UK is that more and more people have taken them, uh, more and more people pass them, and we have what is called a criterion reference system now. I mean, the system used to be that no matter how many entrants there were, uh, it didn't matter whether there were uh, 500,000 or, or 1,000, no matter how many entrants there were, only a fixed proportion used to get an A grade and a B grade and so on, and only a fixed proportion used to be able to pass. So it was built into the system at one time that, that a high proportion would fail. I think it was something like 40% would fail. Now, that is no longer the case. We have a criterion reference system. If you reach a certain standard, you get your pass and you get your B grade or A grade or whatever it is. And as a result, something like 95%, more than 95% now pass, uh, and uh, a very high proportion uh, get A grades. But the, the problem now for the fee-paying schools is if their children continue to do conventional A-levels, then they are not delivering something which is any different from what the majority of children are getting 
uh, in non-fee-paying schools. And so therefore, they're very keen to find uh, some highly, uh, other highly prestigious exam. It doesn't matter what it is. Uh, it can be the Cambridge exam. It can be the International Baccalaureate. It doesn't matter what it is, which sets their children apart from other children. And they, all they then need to do is to persuade the, the posh universities, that means Oxford, Cambridge, Bristol, some of the London colleges uh, and a few others, persuade them to uh, accept this qualification as, as a valid one and one that, uh, that shows a higher level of a higher standard than conventional A-levels and they're away and they've maintained their elite position. Back at Cambridge, Anne Puntus defends the CIE from accusations of elitism. A journalist in the in London asked me that uh, question last week. Exactly the same question: um, Were we dealing with an elite? And I think that's a very important question. It's one that we take seriously, because are we dealing with a social elite? No, not at all. Are we dealing with educational excellence? Yes, it's hard to deny that. Um, and Cambridge as a, a, a university is committed to educational standards. It's about the development of you know, human um, uh, abilities. Um, and so there is a part, even of the fact that we issue grades, that is not entirely egalitarian. But it's about making that access available to all. And we, we don't influence local decisions, but we are committed to that being something of um, educational difference rather than social difference. But what about setting up in competition with a country's own qualification system? We do what we do, um, and uh, schools... Um, um, Governments in some places can take a view about whether that's complementary, whether it provides an additional service, or whether it has a damaging effect in a particular context. And that's something where we will work with people and we'll um, provide information and we're um, happy to engage in the dialogue. But it's not something where we construct that situation. When you say damaging, do you mean in the sense that it would undermine an indigenous system? Well, I don't know what I mean, really, because it's not something that we've come across. I, I mention it as a kind of, you know, um, to, to complete the situation. Um, I can't see um, a situation where educationalists decide that choice is damaging. In fact, in New Zealand, there are many educationalists who think that choice in education is seldom value-free and can be damaging because choice for some can reduce choice for others. Professor Thrupp from Waikato University says offering other systems undoubtedly undermines the NCEA. You do lose something when you lose your own indigenous examination system. It is, it is something that is designed for, for the young people uh, in this country and will have had a lot of people locally that are work, have worked on it and, and bring their teaching um, experience to bear and are making it work out in schools. When you go to uh, the, the choice, if you like, 
um, you really are going to something that's often highly decontextualised um, and is, is designed to be applied pretty much anywhere in the world rather than something that's designed to be there for the, for the youth of a particular country. Peter Wilby says there's an obsession all around the world with qualifications. We've become a society where you can't really do anything unless you've uh, got a, a qualification. Uh, the, the Americans call it credentialism. For example, to be, to, to be a librarian, at one time you just needed to be quite keen on books. You need a degree now. And uh, that's uh, the same with everything. I mean, what, what, what we've seen is an explosion of general educational qualifications and uh, things like nursing, which used to be a matter of just tra- of training on the job and getting your qualification that way. Uh, you ne- now need a very high, a fairly high standard of school leaving uh, grades to get into nursing in the first place, and then you have to do something of a, a, a degree equivalent course. At the same time, of course, we are at least we think we are more of a meritocracy than we are than we were. And at one time, you could get a job because of who your father knew, or which, what school you went to, or maybe you went to work in your father's little family firm. All that kind of thing has declined, and so qualifications have become absolutely vital to people's life chances. He says in Britain, the private school sector has seized on qualifications to maintain their status and high fees. It's about making sure that those credentials uh, are, uh, provide access to jobs and universities that are not available to other people. That, that's the, that's, that's the, that's the, the raison d'etre of uh, posh schools, of fee-paying schools, and unless they have that raison d'etre, People won't pay. I'm not saying they don't offer other advantages, better sports facilities and so on and so forth, keep their children, keep children away from rougher children and that kind of thing. Uh, Of course they have other advantages. They may have religion and all sorts of other things that some parents like. But their main reason for existing, and it has to be, that they can deliver access to jobs in universities that the majority of state schools cannot. Because there's an awful lot of money to spend on making sure that your child speaks nice and doesn't drop its H's. In New Zealand, Simon Higgins is the CIE regional manager. He says there are now 49 schools here using some part of Cambridge assessments. Schools like the fact that Cambridge exams offer a grade and percentage at the end. Schools like the external marking. There are some schools who like the fact that because there are exams at the end of the year, it means that teachers have less of an administrative burden on them and they can concentrate more on teaching. He describes claims that schools are using Cambridge to gain a marketing edge as unfortunate. There are excellent schools out there who are offering Cambridge. Many of these schools have a full role. They don't need to have anything to offer as a marketing edge. They have wait lists. CIE is um, a passive player in this debate. We are here by local demand to provide a service to schools in the form of curriculum, assessment and of course a globally recognised qualification at the end. The Cambridge system is not however the only so-called default position of the NCEA. The International Baccalaureate, the IB, is now offered by eight schools with others planning to come into the IB fold. This is actually an International Baccalaureate badge that we got. Um, 15-year-old Emily Frost, a student at Diocesan School for Girls, will be one of the first-year group at the Auckland School to study for the IB. There are about 200 girls in our year and there's about 50 girls, I think, who are doing it, so it's about a quarter 
of Aia that's doing it. The decision to use the IB at diocesan, which had always been a cheerleader for the NCEA, was seen by some as a vote of no confidence in the national qualification. But diocesan principal Anne Mildenhall says the move doesn't reflect a change in attitude. Dio has always supported NCEA. It has supported our girls really well and they have done you know, remarkably well. And there is no change in that. We will support the girls in the choice of whatever pathway they're going to take. She says the global aspect of the IB appealed. We were thinking about our future and, and really the future of education and what the world's going to look like. And if, if we believe, and we do, that New Zealand is part of this wider international community, then we wanted also offer opportunities for girls for the whole school, not just for girls doing IB, but for girls to look outside and be really part of an international community. And of course IB is, is literally you know, the international part of the International Baccalaureate. It is about being part of a much wider community than just in New Zealand. Anne Mildenhall says they did look at Cambridge as an option. But we weren't looking for, for simply a qualification because the International Baccalaureate is not only about a diploma at the end, for example. We're, we're beginning in the junior school and moving right through the school. So it isn't only about qualification. The school's deputy principal, Jane Ann Young, says under the NCEA, students have continued to enter every career choice or university course as they've always done. We never had a problem with the NCEA and what our girls would be able to do with that when they left school. What Cambridge does, it offers another assessment program to get them into the same courses. And what the IB does, it also offers that, but it has another aspect which is more international and it has a much greater breadth to it than what we could offer under any other system. Emily says students at the school don't regard the IB as just an option for brighter students. Some of the smartest girls in IEA are doing NCA and it's nothing to do with that. It's just a personal choice and everyone talks about what they want to do and everyone understands and I yeah there's a good understanding that everyone's just doing it for their own benefits and it's nothing to do with smartness or being better than anybody else. Year 11 student Demi Nelson is one of the students sticking with the NCEA. I thought that if I take IB I'll have to take science which I don't really want to do and maybe a couple of other subjects that I'm not so strong in and I think that if I'm going to do that and get not as great marks as I could in NCEA, it's just, it's not worth it. And if I'm not enjoying it, I'm not going to excel in it. So I decided to take NCEA so I could take the subjects that I wanted to. And um, I did lots of research. And for Australia, you you can get in on NCEA because they're really familiar with it from their like pool of New Zealand applicants. And for America, they want you to take the SATs or the ACTs anyway which is an American qualification, so it doesn't really matter which qualification you take in your country. While Anne Mildenhall says introducing the IB is about education rather than marketing, it's noteworthy that the other private girls' school in Epsom, St Cuthbert's, has signalled it too will introduce the IB. At the same time, however, use of the qualification will always be limited, mainly because of set-up costs which can run into tens of thousands of dollars, arguably out of the reach of state schools.
halftime concert underway at Rangatoto College where the principal David Hodge is adamant that the NCEA is delivering for his 3,000 plus students. NCEA works for us. If you look at a range of outcomes that you want to achieve as a school, you want students to stay in school and, and complete the, the, you know, the full five years and our, our retention rates are unbelievably high. You want students to achieve and we have students that are achieving right across the board in a whole different range of subject areas. You want your top students to excel and be extended and that's happening. Last year we had three students who were the top students in New Zealand in their subject areas. We had one of New Zealand's top ten premier scholars and we do that consistently year after year after year so why add something when it's working. Samuel Yupching, a senior student at the school, says the NCEA suits him. It's a focus on the levels rather than just a straight new subject in each year. Like um, it goes from NCA level one to level four, which is at scholarship level. And so that caters to those driving for excellence and pursuing excellence. And it also caters to those people just trying to learn through the system. There must be students who, who just want to cruise through. Do you think that NCEA helps them to do that, that they can just say, I can get through, I can get achieved or whatever, just well, to get the uh, minimum number of credits? Well, with any system, there are always going to be students that try to do that anyway. I feel at Rangitoto, especially, that idea of pursuing excellence, in particular for us, it's just helping us so much more to get, you know, that merit and excellence level. Like, we know that there will be people trying to just scrape in with an achieved, but it also means that they'll be better prepared through the modular system, they'll be better prepared for university if they choose to go down to that tertiary level. A fellow student, Kate Hayward, agrees. She says the recent move to introduce NCEA certificates that are endorsed with excellence or merit will help motivate students. She says she's irritated by the claim that the NCEA doesn't push top students. I'm considered an elite student, but I think it's pushing me to do, especially the introduction of the excellence on the certificates. I want my excellence on my certificate, so I'm being pushed. It is kind of annoying that Cambridge and IB are considered for the elite people. Some of the principals using Cambridge exams appear to be softening their stance justifying their use of the imported system as a matter of choice rather than a necessity because of a flawed NCEA, particularly when the NCEA is being used by many students at their own schools. The debate over qualifications still has a way to go. However, there are signs that the tide may be turning. For example, Fakatane's two secondary schools say they're going to ditch Cambridge next year, citing improvements to the NCEA. While clearly the NCA has still to find its feet, Professor Thrupp says it should be understood that anyway, as a national qualification, it hangs on the reputation of the New Zealand education system, which he says overseas is well regarded, even envied. It is all part of the, the, the same picture. Um, the point about the NCA, it is the national qualification.